You know, as we uh, have made it to a brand new year, I don't know that I've ever been any happier to be through with an old year. Uh, every, every place you turn, we, we have been told 2021 is going to be better. Well, I hope people know what they're talking about because uh, 2020 was not. And um, so we, we, back earlier in the year when uh, our troubles all started, somehow we geared ourselves to just make it through this year. Just make it through 2020. And we looked forward to a better year. We put all of our all of our resources in making ourselves think that 2021 is going to be better. And I hope it is. Although when you look back, 2020 could have been a lot worse. And 2020 really wasn't all that bad. I mean, God was still good. God blessed us and... Uh, for the biggest part, you know, we uh, we had to make uh, uh, changes, but we we're still here, and we're still serving, we're still worshiping the Lord. And so, based on that, you know, it's just something in our in in our makeup, in our DNA, that causes us to look forward. Look forward. Uh, not that we need to re- forget all that is behind us, no. But you can't live back there. We live looking forward. And that's not by chance, by the way. Because when you look in the Bible, we are told that we are to look for a better day. This old world is not our home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And so what are we to go what 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 is to be our mindset? Our mindset is that we should look forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I love the book of Titus. If you'll turn there, we'll read. A uh, a passage, chapter two, verse eleven. Listen as Paul writes to this young man. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing 
of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise thee. Father, pour out your blessings on your word and use this time to draw us together and to draw us closer to you. As we live in these days that are ahead, we just trust you. And as we look forward, Lord, help us to focus on your soon coming. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, here Paul is writing to this young, this young pastor. And, and uh, in these verses right here, he lays out uh, everything that we are to concern ourselves with in these days. He tells us that, uh, that it's God's grace that makes all of this possible. We don't do it. We don't earn it. We don't make it happen. It is all through God's grace. And here's what God's grace teaches us. It teaches us that we should deny ungodliness. Now, friend, I don't know about you, but I believe we live in a world of ungodliness. We live in a world that wants to do everything it can to tear down and destroy any and everything that has to do with the Lord. And so we are not to get caught up in that. And sometimes that's very difficult for us. We're not to get caught up in worldly lust. But we are to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so our goal should have been for 2020 the same that it is in 2021. To live godly, soberly, and righteously. But he ends it by telling us this. That these are the things that we ought to be teaching, that we ought to be preaching, that we ought to be edifying each other, and that we ought to even rebuke one another with the authority of God's Word. And so, the whole thing hinges on us looking for the second coming of Christ, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us to think about the promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and here's where I started a moment ago. Looking to the future is nothing new. If you look back in the Bible, you'll find that, uh, that it's, it's what all of, the, uh, all of the kings, the rulers, they were very interested in the future. In fact, you remember a young man by the name of Joseph? You know what got Joseph out of prison and, and to become the uh, second leader in all of Egypt? It was the fact that he was able 
to interpret dreams about the future. You remember Daniel. Daniel. It got out that, hey, Daniel, could he can interpret dreams. And he was brought before the king. And he shared with the king. Why? Because the king wanted to know. Everybody wanted to know about the future. And you know, kings and rulers back then, they had a, magicians and astrologers and uh, soothsayers, prophets, because they wanted somebody to tell them about the future. So it's nothing new. We too are to be looking for the future. You know how I know that? I know it because when you look in the Bible, did you know that over a third of the Scriptures that we have deal with the future? And that most of those deal with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, the whole focus of the Bible is the return of Jesus Christ. And so, since so much of the Bible is dealing with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I say that the Lord wants us to know about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to be informed about it. Now, I'll tell you what I've come to realize. There's a great interest in the future. But there's very little interest in the coming of Jesus Christ. And you know, as we went through uh, 2020 and all of the things that, uh, that we dealt with and even are still dealing with, I, I saw this on Facebook, I don't know how many times, that the Lord may be giving the biggest altar call, the last altar call for His people. to get right. Now, I want to tell you something. If that statement is true, I don't see a lot of responding to that invitation. You know why? Because we're interested in the future, but we're not so much interested in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. People have a curiosity about the future. But they like a real sense of interest in the coming of Jesus Christ. And so, the Lord's return, the prophecies in the Scripture uh, about the end time, He put them in there to be an encouragement to you and me. And, and He certainly did not want to uh, uh, discourage us, but He put it in there because the Lord's return ought to motivate us to a deeper commitment and a greater obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to give you four things, and uh, then, then, then we'll be through. Four things that will happen in your life if the Lord and His return 
grabs a hold to you. Four things that will happen and that will affect the way you live your life and all. Number one, you see, when the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ really gets a hold on our hearts, friend, our worship is going to be different. The way we worship the Lord. I mean, we'll start being faithful to coming together with our fellow believers to worship. Now, hey, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that you have to come to church to worship. No, you don't. In fact, what we do when we come together like on a Sunday morning like this is we just are doing corporately what we should have been doing all the other six days of the week. And so we come together and we worship the Lord. You know, one of the scriptures that we love, uh, sometimes we like to hit people over the head with it, is Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read this to you. The writer pens these words in beginning in verse 22 of chapter 10, Hebrews. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And backing up, I'm sorry, in verse 22, I read 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of Christ, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love in good works, and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see that day approaching. Now, we love verse 25. We love to push that at our people. Don't forsake assembling. But I want you to look at what he tells us about worship in these verses. Number one, he tells us that we need to draw near to the Lord. Look at that. Draw near to the Lord and, and let your heart be full of faith. Full of faith. You know what I've noticed? Have you ever noticed uh, how different things can look from different points of view? I, I remember back when I was in Hot Springs and we had a, a, a television ministry, and and uh, the station would come out so often, and they'd make a uh, uh, some promos to show during the day. And uh, the favorite place 
was to go up on what they call West Mountain. And you could get up on West Mountain and look straight down Central Avenue all the way out in Hot Springs. And you have the surrounding mountains and the lake. And, and it is just absolutely gorgeous. Now bless your heart, you get down on the street when racing season is in, and it'll keep you close to the Lord because you'll be repenting on what you're saying about them stupid drivers. What? You're looking at the same thing, but from a different point of view. And here's the thing, friend. Why, why do we need to draw near to God? I'll tell you why. Because when we get up and see the world the way God sees it, it's a whole different ball game than when we were down on the earth level looking at the earth. So we have to draw near. Well, one of the places that we draw near to God is when we come together like this in corporate worship. But that's not all. Notice, he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Well, why in the world would he tell us? We know we can't lose our salvation. But what about our profession? What we profess about knowing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Do you know why he warned us about that? It's because out here in this world, there's a lot of things and there's a lot of people that want to shake you loose from what you believe about Jesus Christ and shake you loose from what you believe about this Word. Now, you know where you're to get encouraged to do that? When you come together in one body. It ought to encourage us. Encourage us to hold on to our profession of faith. But I want you to look at 24. Because here's what is to happen every time Calvary Baptist Church comes together. Look at this. And let us consider one another. Just stop right there. Look at this. You know what you're to do with each other when you come together? For instance, in a Sunday school class? In a in a, uh, uh, a gathering, in a worship time, we ought to take the time to observe each other. And you know what? You can tell a whole lot of what's going on in somebody's life if you just look them square in the eye. You know, the eye is the telltale sign of, of the body. Now, why should we do that? Well, because... We go days without talking or seeing each other. And when you come to church, I don't know what your day has been. I, you, you may have had the worst day at work that you've ever had. You may have got chewed out for something somebody else did and you had nothing to do with. You may be struggling. You may have a child that, that's giving you fits. You, you may be in a marriage that's struggling. And uh, you may be facing financial difficulty. And you show up at church. You know what you need? You need somebody who will take the time to put their arm around you. 
Hey, you look like you're having a rough day. I don't know what it is, but I want you to know I'm loving you and I'm praying for you. That's what we should do. That's what it's all about. And so we ought to uh, provoke one another unto love and good works. Did you know you coming to church, being around people ought to make you better? Ought to make you stronger? Ought to make you a better Christian? Because we take the time. And by the way, let me ask you this. Those of you who go to school, those of you who work, how much encouragement do you get to really live for the Lord in your place? So there's got to be some place you can come to get encouraged to live for the Lord. And the Bible teaches us that it's corporate worship is where that takes off. That's where it is. All right, number two. Here's another thing. If you're really looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, your work is going to be different. I mean, you'll be able to look at the future and uh, and you will know that the labor that you do for the Lord is going to be rewarded. It is not going to be uh, thrown away. The Bible tells us, Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so we will know that there will be coming a day when the Lord is going to reward us for everything that we have done for Him. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to me. That's an encouragement to me. You know, when uh, when when uh, Jesus was meeting with His disciples in John chapter 9, he, he, he made this statement. He said, I've got to be about what God wants me to do. I've got a lot of work to do, and the time is short. Now, I'll tell you what you could do. You could just take that little, that little scenario and put it right where we are. Friend, Jesus is coming. His coming is going is soon. I believe that. But here's the thing. It ought to motivate us to do what we are to do. You know the old song that we sing, Work, for the night is coming. I mean, if there's anything you're going to do for the Lord, you need to be busy doing it now. Because you don't have time. You just don't have the time. Let me tell you a third thing. If you're really looking for the return of Jesus Christ, you're witnessing. It's going to be different. Now listen. You're witnessing. 
you, you're telling other people about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and about His death on the cross to save us from our sin. You see, you will know that there's not much time. And, and, and your witnessing will take on an urgency about it. Your concern over other people will, uh, will be uh, far more than it used to be. I'll tell you something, everybody in here has in common. Everybody in here has family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors that are on their road to hell. Every one of us. And let me tell you something. When, when the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ gets a hold of you, it'll cause you to be troubled enough over those that are lost to go to them and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Let me show you a passage that, uh, that uh, we use oftentimes. Usually at a graveside service, uh, the cemetery, when we're saying goodbye to someone. And I don't know, I, 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 I can't even fathom how many times I've read this. But you listen to Paul's words. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will ever be with the Lord. Now, he tells us to do this, comfort each other with those words. And isn't that comforting? To know that for all of those that uh, have died in the Lord in your family, your mom, dad, brothers, sisters, uh, cousins, whatever, people that you really care about, one day Jesus is going to come. And when that shout comes and that trumpet sounds, they're going to come out of the graves and be caught up with the Lord. Then we're going to shed these old bodies and be given a brand new one and we'll be caught up to be with them. That's the promise of everyone who is saved by God's grace. But, wait a minute. What about those who are not saved? What about the people you love? 
What about people in your family? What about your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, your aunt, your uncle, your wife, your husband? What about them? Here's the reality. Here's the truth. When they die without Christ as a Savior, they go to an eternal hell. And you see, when the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ grips a hold of our heart, we will be urged to witness to those to tell them about Jesus. One last thing and we're through. Your walk will be different when you realize the truth of the Lord's soon return. And when I say your walk, what I'm talking about is the way you conduct your life and the way uh, you confront your spiritual uh, responsibilities. You know, the Lord tells us in Philippians chapter chapter 3, in the last two or three verses, beginning about verse 18, that uh, the moment we got saved, we got a brand new citizenship. We live here on this earth. And listen to me, folks. We don't belong to this world. We're not citizens of this country. We're strangers. And so, here's what Paul tells us. We are to live as much like Jesus in this world as we can. You know why? Because, dear friend, we're preparing to meet Him. And and, and as John said in in First John chapter 2, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, that we shall be like Him. And so we have this time here learning everything we can about our blessed Savior. Now let me close. I know that times are not easy. I know that we live in a terribly confused world. Uh, things that once were almost universally viewed as wrong, disgusting, are now called alternate lifestyles. Widely accepted by the society in which we live. People that strive to make this world a better place. Those who hold up the truths of God's Word are now called now are counted as enemies to this world. So I know things are upside down. 
things are completely upside down. But I want you to know something. We are to be a light in a dark room. And the darker the room gets, the brighter the light should shine. And so that's the way it is in our world. You know, we, we get discouraged. Well, you know, people just don't want to listen. People just don't want to do this. People don't. Well, hey, listen. The darker the world gets, the brighter our light shines. And you know what a light does? It dispels darkness. And so we have to strive. And here's the fact. When the coming of Jesus Christ really gets a hold of us, that truth will be a reality in our lives. So let me just simply ask you this. Are you looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ the the supreme one in your life? Are you really concerned about worshiping the Lord? Are you really concerned about giving the Lord the best you have for the rest of your life? That's what He's calling us to do. So would you stand with me? Let's bow our heads. We'll sing an invitation song to give you the opportunity to respond to the Lord. Father, bless this time. Take this message, put it in our hearts, and give us, Lord, the the concern that we ought to have. Give us, Lord, the commitment to put our best foot forward and we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. As we sing...